Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of Deep Media Technology Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Jepson, and in this episode, I had the great privilege to talk with my friend, entrepreneur, success story, father, just everything all around, great guy, the often copied, never duplicated, very funny, entertaining, whirly. We, uh, you know, during this coronavirus epidemic and us, uh, everyone being locked in at home, we uh, we did the call over Skype, obviously. You know, you're going to hear his kids in the background. They're going to come in and uh, they're going to do some mustache shows for us, which, of course, you don't see because this is a podcast. But it was a great conversation. You know, I left some of that in because I want you to know the reality of what all of us deal with, whether it's a very successful entrepreneur like Worley whether it's a podcast host like me or, or anyone working at home at any level, kids are around. If you've got kids, family is around, family, dogs, cat, you know, whatever it may be, your animals, it's just they're there and they're ever present and that's okay. And you just got to embrace those things. So, you know, I, I clipped a couple things out that were just long pauses or background noise, but generally speaking, it is unedited, our conversation. We had a great talk about leadership, about technology about growth, advice for startups and what they should and shouldn't be doing. And uh, yeah, and just reconnected. I, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast as, as much as I enjoyed uh, talking with Worley. Thank you all for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or check us out on SoundCloud. Thanks so much. And let's kick it off with a little intro music from our friend Shaw. Enjoy. Who are you calling just text me? Time and money, not expensive. Not expensive. You and me, we're not best friends. Let it ring, they can take. Um, so yeah, so I'm on lockdown. I'm at the house with the wife and the kid. Uh, it's um, you know, it's crazy. It's it's uh, there's parts of it that I really do love, right? Um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine about this, and I said probably the greatest thing that I like is we get caught up in such adult vernacular and how we communicate and our little, sh our little things. And the, 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 we can just navigate life so quickly because we have, you know, years and years of experience of talking and I've got a six year old and she'll ask me a question or she'll get, fr I'll get frustrated with something I'm like, you know what? I mean, this is not the way it works in the real world. And this is not how bills get done. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta maneuver things. And she's like, I don't even get what you're saying. Maneuver? Is that a made-up word? <laughs> <laughs> pour this close to the... Pour that. I like that. Nice. Hey, so how are you? How's the family, friends? Everyone okay? Everyone healthy? Uh, everyone's healthy. We got a couple of pieces with a couple of people I know. And, uh, and uh, I mean, it's not surprising, right? So many of us are traveling you know, 300,000 miles a year. And even if you were like me, I heard around November... To start watching out, I toned down all the travel. I literally pretty much haven't been anywhere. I went to CES, which was a mistake if I'd have known how this was going to turn out. Uh, but at CES, I was only in the hotel doing meetings. So I was never on the show floor. So, you know, thank goodness. Um, but uh, uh, it's been uh, it's been interesting to watch this unfold. And the, and the way it's being managed by different states, different counties, and different mayors, different people, and the the blame game that's going on when you're just like, wait, this is the one time we just want a functioning government to organize a response. 
is it, I mean, it, the, the big reason, I mean, one of the big reasons I want to talk to you is it seems like, and I've known you for a while. I've been blessed to know you. I mean, my first week in Austin, Texas, I don't remember this. <laughs> I met you and Jen Cadmus at Dirty yep. Bills and we had the Pabst Blue Ribbon and you had uh, your Captain Morgan's and Jen yep. had whatever weird Colorado beer she was going to have, <laughs> you know, uh, and that was my first experience. And you're a person despite the economy, despite what's going on, you, you've, na- you've figured out a way to navigate. And I've been talking to people, and I've had entrepreneurs and friends and business leaders say, this is the first time I don't feel free. This is the first time I'm scared. And I didn't have an answer for them. And that's why I reached out to you, because it's not that you don't have fear. It's not that you're not, you don't get scared. It's that I've watched you through different economic cycles navigate the waters in such a pristine manner that I feel like there's, there's a lack of leadership when it comes to entrepreneurs right now outside right. of, you know, maybe a Mark Cuban who you can agree or disagree with, but at least he's trying. Right. But there's a lack of leadership, right? And there's a lack of leadership in venture capital, and there's a lack of leadership in private equity, and there's a lack of leadership in the mortgage industry. And, and I've, I've taken this, yeah. this opportunity to, to grab people and go, uh, yeah, our, our focus was on AR, VR technology, but you know what? Uh, the focus is bigger. The picture to what you're saying, it's bigger. Right. And well, not to throw you on the throne of leadership, but you're, you're a leader in my eyes, and, and, I, and I wholeheartedly respect the things that you say and do because of who you are and our relationship. Can you, can you tell my wife that? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, 100%. <laughs> no, um, no, dude, it's interesting. So, uh, of course, uh, in the next, uh, I don't want to say 30 days and I don't want to say 90 days, but in the near future, of course, I've already planned for this and I have a well thought through response of, of things. And, and I had a little bit of advantage in preparing this over other startup founders. And that was... Um, one, uh, my networks are global, and you heard about this a little earlier. Well, you, you didn't hear about it. Like, you were hearing things in the news, but it's different when you're talking to somebody on the phone. They're like, six people are out and because this crazy thing's going on, right? You, you take it a little more seriously, you know, and it's that kind of firsthand information rather than just, you know, news blurb, oh, there's a virus in China or this or that. Because um, it's so easy, as small as the world's gotten, for entrepreneurs to still think, that's a world away, and it's not my problem, Right. So, but I had an extra advantage, which is we're a quantum computing startup right now. That's my latest company. And the problem with that is I've been talking for a year about this impending quantum winter where you saw it in AI, you saw it in, you know, the 80s in machine learning. You've seen it over and over in tech where things get overhyped and it causes a pullback. You know, it's kind of that tsunami effect, right? Uh, But during that pullback time, there's all of this problems with finding funding and finding talent and getting customers. And so I was already in this um, kind of different attitude from the beginning of launching the company. So in we started at South by 2018. Mm-hmm. We released our product South by 2019 into beta. We were going to release the full thing this year at South by 2020. That was the plan. Best laid plans of mice and men, right? Didn't work out. But that entire time, if you saw me speak at the keynote I did at South by, if you saw me doing interviews or whatever, the whole time I was like, everyone in this industry should be super, super careful. 
we are we are in deep tech. There's not a lot of funding in deep tech. You know, there's consumer has been ruling the roost. Enterprise is kind of picking up, but there just hasn't been a lot of deep tech funding really. And so we're in this questionable area anyway. Is it a real thing? Is it a science project? And then on top of that, you have this situation where, um, you know, we had this amazing experience with Honest Dollar. We sold the company in one year, sold it to Goldman Sachs. We were all big GS executives, you know, amazing experience. Uh, but, but we learned something, which is, you know, we probably grew too fast, right? It, it was very, doing the transaction, there's kind of this space I found where if you have more than 25 employees or so, things get infinitely more complicated than you want. And people say, hey, that's not true. It doesn't work. And then you go talk to all your friends who the company got bought and they didn't get money and they got laid off, right? <laughs> oh, man. We're good, brother. We're good. Oh, God. Well, we are. But so, so let's, you know, let's, let's say that shorter. Uh, being in quantum in a deep science area where there's not as much funding as an enterprise even and certainly not as much as consumer, I kind of had the attitude with the team. And, and, and by the way, the Justin Ewens and David Cardona, my, my co-founders, had the same attitude of we grew the last one kind of fast from zero to 25, 28 people in a year. And, and people don't think of that as big because when you hear entrepreneurs talk about their company, they always say, oh, we're 200 people, we're 400 people. Like that's some sort of weird metric of success. And people are the most expensive and most critical and most everything part of the business. And maybe you don't want that many. So we just hired our 10th employee in December. Um, he'd been contracting us for a while. He's overseas, it was complicated hiring him. But you know, we're now two years in, we're only 10 people. Um, we've built all the same software we would have with a, a bigger group and people had to work harder, there's no doubt. But we were already kind of lean and mean. And as you know, I tell entrepreneurs all over the world every day, being an entrepreneur is like being on an airplane. You have to put your mask on before you can help anybody else and you gotta know where all the exits are and the closest exit could be right behind you, right? And so. I've already unfortunately seen three startups die in the last, call it four weeks, because they were running too big. They are not going to get funding. The funding, everything just stopped, right? I've seen, I'm helping a startup right now who had a huge amount of funding. Their funding round was almost 100 million. Over half of it is gone. Like, just like, sorry, change our mind, virus, right? So these are the things that, you know, entrepreneur, the word means you know, the person that takes the risk, right? And, and, and when you take a risk in starting it, you know, you said, you know, you've seen me scared, you've seen me this, you've seen me that. Yeah, absolutely, because I'm smart enough to know what I'm doing, which is like everybody wants to, you know, the entrepreneurs are like, you know, they got the cool office and they're hiring a bunch of people and they're doing all this stuff. And if you are actually a, you know, dyed-in-the-wool entrepreneur, you wake up every day super excited about what you do and you love it, but with this counterbalance of like, it's terrifying. You're putting your family's well-being on the line. You're putting your financial well-being on the line. You are responsible for employees that you've convinced about this vision who may have given up great careers to come follow you on this quest and they could die like fucking Lord of the Rings or something, right? Like, I mean, not everybody makes it to the end of the epic quest. And so it's like, I think it's really, really... I think it's a really interesting time, but at the same time, I see nothing but a world of opportunity. I mean, I see opportunity 
everywhere. Um, and a great, you know, example of that is Tim, uh, you know, the founder of Source Cocktails, which is one of the companies that, you know, Mike Irwin uh, and Adam Lippman and my investment partners have invested in, you know, they do events. Well, how are event businesses doing right now? Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Horrible. And Sourced came up with a plan to deliver cocktails for virtual happy hours and all this other crazy stuff. And they just rolled right with the punches. It's like, that guy's an entrepreneur. You know what I mean? Um, for me, it's a little easy. I mean, I'm going to do, I'm going to take advantage of this uh, and do what I do best, which is I'm going to make a super huge, awesome announcement while everything else is burning around me and everything. I'm going to be like, my team is amazing. We're going to, we're going to do something huge. And we've been working on that for a couple months already. Um, and of course it's taken a lot of work, but we're, we're pretty excited. I mean, we're in a great spot. Um, I just, I worry about startups in general and I worry about Austin's ecosystem specifically. This is a very, what does a WeWork do? What does a capital factory do when you're used to hundreds of people coming in and out of there every day and you've got this machine and you're collecting rents and you've got this ecosystem when all of a sudden the ecosystem is completely disrupted and yeah. nobody anywhere right like what happens to that um you know those are those are the things i've been thinking about do you also think about the interaction part i mean one of the greatest things you know and, and i've debated with this uh we have a mutual friend he's a very big marketing person i won't put him on blast but um, you know, uh, MS is the initials. I'll, I'll, I'll text him this. I, I, was text just, him. I was just texting him literally ten minutes before you called. <laughs> and I love him. And listen, I love him. I've known him for twenty years. He told me. Remember, he told me he's doing okay. Just so you know, as of about ten good. minutes ago, said he was doing okay. <laughs> and I want him. To, and I want him to do good because I love him. Um, but you know, we were we were arguing about uh, South by and, and the canceling of it, and I said. And correct me if I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I, you know me. I don't, I don't mind being wrong. But I said one of my biggest problems was is the leaders in tech, the Facebooks, the Googles, the YouTubes, the Yelps, right? They took their ball and they went home. Yep. And they had the foundation to make a change where you actually could have made South by work via what we're doing here, what Zoom kind of took over and did. And he goes, no, you don't understand. South by is about the interaction. It's about having the beer, shaking the hands, meeting the people. And I abruptly told him, no, your answer is the problem, not the solution. Because I believe, I don't, I don't want to change South by ever, but I believe in pivots. I believe that, that, that there's pivots. Like, like I believe when I, when I, when I, every time I see an announcement with you and I, and I read about quantum, the first thing I think about is, Security companies better be thinking about a pivot. Yeah, because they're going to get eaten alive in about a year. But, 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 you, know, you bring up a great point. So, so our our mutual friend MS, um, <laughs> we haven't discussed that. But so, so there is a physicality to, to South by, right? Sure. There is a like I'm going there to meet people from all over the world, and we could, you could have video conferences with those people at every time, but you can't have a video conference with. 10,000 of them, right? With 2,000 of them in one room. And there's something about that, you know, think about the excitement of this. You know, I was, I was talking to somebody earlier, so I get criticized uh, uh, by everyone. It's it's fine. I'm like you, I don't mind being told I'm wrong or whatever. But one of the things I get criticized by my team, by everybody is, well, you're much better in person 
than you are like in a video chat or a phone call. And I think that there's something to be said about everybody <laughs> being like that. Okay. Get him in here. Look at that mustache. Show it on the camera. Give me that Mommy mustache up close. Make, Mommy might make my mustache. Do you like mustache like me? <laughs> no. Hey, let me get a picture. Mustaches are funny. Smile for me. Smile. Let me get a picture of you smiling with your mustache. Oh, but let's give have a mustache with me. Yeah, maybe. Do you, do you want to do this interview hey, for hey, me? Can, can I have a mustache with you? Can, he, can Jason have a mustache with you? Can I get a mustache with you? Yeah, but like uh, you got to come in my house. And you, it's, the mustache is black, not white. <laughs> I think he just age shamed me. <laughs> I, think, I think he did. <laughs> Your son's yes. calling me old, Whirly. He's not an old man. I, I know, but yeah, but we're you know we're talking about this physicality of South by and 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 stuff, and there's advantages to that. But but here's the pivot: if things just changed forever, like forever, there is no. Let's think about doing events. I mean. If you were investing in event businesses for some reason, if you were running a conference, if you were doing like you're screwed. Those things usually work on a you know event to event kind of basis with a fairly thin profit margin. You know, I can't think of any event business where I'm like, man, those people are rich. <laughs> like I gotta get into events, right? None of us wanna do that for a reason. Like you gotta love doing that. And so, you know, I think you're right. I think you're gonna see a tremendous amount of events pivot into virtual events. I think there's software opportunities to create there. I think Zoom is great, but is it great with, you know, 20 people? Sure. Is it great with 20,000? Absolutely not, right? Like, you know, like I think there's opportunities in all of this, but I definitely see a pivot in events. I see a pivot in a lot of a, a lot of industries. I mean, it's this is this is uncharted territory. We had the week before 3 million plus jobless claims, 6 million last week. Yeah. Who knows what it, we haven't seen this kind of unemployment since the 30s, man, since the Great Depression. Yeah. This is going to change everything. And there's people who say, well, we'll return to life as normal. It's like, well, will you? Or it's like, you know, like I've been looking at whether I build a house or buy a new house. And because of this, I'm like, I need to make sure my house has water and its own power sources and is away from any dangerous virus. Like, you know, I've been like, I'm, I'm not going to do that, but it's like, as I'm looking, like it's already changed my thought process about, you know, what's next for me living wise, thinking about like, what if I have to end up somewhere for three or four months in isolation with my family? Yeah. You know? And also, and I'll, and I'll go back to our friend, right? I mean, this is the golden opportunity for him as it comes to a rebound, because you look at the marketing and the life cycle of the customer and when they can come back. So it's easy to be like, all right, May 5th. Cinco de Mayo, we're turning on America. Well, hold on. Who has money to go and get a cocktail? Who has Absolutely. money to get in the Uber and go down and go, go do that? Where, who has, what employer has the money to bring those employees in to pay for them? And what is the return cycle look on those things? And I don't think people visualize that far ahead a lot. No, and they creates, absolutely don't. They, yeah. they absolutely don't. And, and the thing is, you know, if you look at like micro mobility and things like that, right? Um, mm -hmm. Bird laid off hundreds of employees. Lime gearing up for layoffs. You know, it's like it's a nightmare because 
you know, you had a scooter company and now nobody rides them. They're yeah, just they can't even do it. They legally can't do it, right? Like they're supposed to be sheltered in place at home. So, you know, from events to mobility, the Uber driver you just talked about, who has the money to take the Uber down there? How many Uber drivers are there on the other side of this? Because no one is using Uber at all. Imagine New York as a, as a, as a model. How many Uber drivers are there in New York right now that are getting yeah. any, anything, right? And, and will those people go? And, and the thing is, when you have job displacement, so something happens, now you're not driving Uber, you found something else. Do you quit the something else to go back to Uber? Like, you know, if you're in a, you know, in a developer position and you have to go do some consulting or something, then you come back to that position. We're going to have millions, tens of millions of people who are not going to return to the job they had before, either because they're worried that that could happen again or because they maybe hopefully found something better. Like this is a, a, a unbelievable shift in everything worldwide, but especially in America. Yeah, there's a there's a um, there's a connectivity that I don't think people understand when it comes to a capitalistic market that uh, that drives it all. That I that I think generally people are missing. And I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box by any stretch of the imagination. But I look at these things and I'm like, how how are people missing this? There's a there's going to be a lag. There's going to be um, some pain points. You know. Um, whether it's venture capital or, you know, I was talking to a, a group, uh, you know, they're data scientists. And it's just, all they do is they're breaking down numbers. And, I, you know, my, my first questions were about bias, you know, which I don't know if there's bias in quantum. But, you know, they're like, yeah, we really work hard on bias. Uh, and then I said, and what are you working on now? And then there's this pause. And it's the pause because it's like, well, now's the time to go after the data that you already have and really try to matriculate it and understand everything. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's a catch-22, right? And you're doing it better than others, but in a time when everyone's saying conquer down, it's really the time to be aggressive. If right. you can be. Well, that's the, I mean, you know, look, if there's a message of this, it's like, I am not slowing down on the major announcement I'm getting ready to make because of this. I am not. So, and, and here's the deal. Most of the people that are probably listening to this, a lot of us are technology entrepreneurs, and we should be thankful that we have an advantage. Ten people sitting with their headphones working in our office on, on uh, Cesar Chavez versus ten people on a Zoom together working from their home with their headphones on. You know, like there's not a big disruption in business for us. Thank God we're not Uber drivers. Thank God we don't own a bar. You know, we're not we're not owning dirty bills. We're not owning a restaurant that's now like hopefully people will come and take carry out from us because, you know, otherwise we're we're closed. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, you know, so I feel very lucky. But you know what you say is exactly right. I mean, entrepreneurs in theory should perform better during really rough times than any other times. It's easy to be an entrepreneur when times are good, the market's raging, and there's more VC than ever and everything. The real entrepreneurs come out now. The real entrepreneurs show what they're made of now. The real entrepreneurs, men and women all over the world who really are that die-in-the-wool entrepreneur, those people are about to really show the world what they're made of, keep their businesses running, accelerate their businesses, 
like find new ways to match with different markets to seize these opportunities to if they need right like like a real entrepreneur has no problem with the pivot they'll be like well we were doing a bunch of stuff with events but now it looks like there'll be events again we got to do something they're not going to hesitate right they're going to take they're going to take action and and i think that's super important and i hope what you said about our mutual friend ms is is true i haven't talked to him about that but it's interesting you're right there, there could be a big boom for him that he may have never foreseen because all of a sudden knowing where to spend those ad dollars is going to become extremely important because you absolutely have to get a result for them. Whereas before, there's a little bit, it doesn't matter, whatever. You're right. He, he probably has a unique opportunity uh, approaching him at a, at a pretty quick speed. He does. Now, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's interesting, too, because as, as you take a step back and you look at, and let's just look at Austin, you know, where, where we live um, and, the, and the push forward. I love the rally and the momentum and, and the sharing and caring and the, the GoFundMes and everything else. But past that, you know, I'll go back to what we started this out with is I, I'm struggling to find leadership here. You well, know, I, I'm working really fast on what we're going to do. <laughs> I can't do it. Lawyers, man. Lawyers. <laughs> Like, I can't do it any faster, but I'm, I'm working. Uh, look, if, if you, you know, the team at Ecliptic Capital, right? Mike Irwin, Christy Cardenas, Mike Boyle, Adam Lippman, the, the whole crew, they are stepping up not just with the portfolio companies that are there, but with all the people they're talking to where, let's face it, when times get like this, what do you do? You get emails from a VC that says, you're the heroes, your employees but you're the heroes as the founder you know don't be afraid to furlough those people you know and i got i got a question via email earlier the difference between a layoff and a furlough so like, well i furlough them i'm going to pay them 20 percent of their 100k a year i'm going to pay them twenty thousand, and i'm going to expect them to do the same job because the job is going to come back at some point and layoff i'm i've never seen him again and the difference is is like what's worse i mean do, like jason you have a choice you work for me i can lay you off Go do whatever you want. You vested into whatever option you've done, or I can furlough you with little or no pay, and technically you're still employed. And what does that mean? What about benefits? Is it good? Is it bad? As an entrepreneur, what, as an employee, there's these situations are so infinitely more complex. There's no one side size fits all. And I think the problem with Austin leadership and with startup leadership in general is it's real easy to be a startup leader when the economy's booming and there's one size fits all. It's just like, just go and raise the money and do the thing. But when the rubber meets the road, when you're in a situation like we're in now, where the money is disappearing, where companies are going out of business, where it's hard for you to raise money, Jason, just because four other people went out of business and when you go to the investor that invested in them, he is not excited as, as excited about venture as an asset class as he was when he invested in them two years ago, right? In fact, right now, venture is a horrible asset class for that investor. This creates a problem. And so there's a, lot, there's a natural vacuum and lack of leadership because there's very, very few people who have been through all the economic downs, ups and downs and, and done the stuff. And even someone like myself, I'm not chomping at the bit to get out there and, and be like, I will help be the leader because it's I'm like, the Messiah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, I'm doing a new, I have, an, I, have, I have three announcements that are coming out in the next three or four months. 
they're going to be some of the biggest of my career, to be frank. Um, bigger than Goldman, bigger than, you know, Accenture, bigger than anything I've done. And I'm stoked. And so right now, I come back to that rule I told you. Being an entrepreneur, being a good community entrepreneur is like being a passenger on an airplane, right? And you, you read the safety card and when the oxygen mask dra drop, you got to put yours on first before you can help other people around you. Because if you don't, you may not get it on them and get it on you and you both pass out. Or, and you got you have to know where all of the exits are. And the closest exit might be behind you. And I, I literally talked to four or five entrepreneurs today that are trying to find... Can they combine? Is there mergers? Can they get acquired? Can they get acquired? Can they do that? No. The, the, the answer is no. Like, nobody is going to magically, like, oh, times are bad. You know, it's like when I told one of them, I said, how many other startups in your space do you think are thinking about the exact same thing? And the acquirer you mentioned is hearing from all of you. There's like 50 of you, maybe 70 or 80 worldwide doing the same thing, how many calls do you think they're getting? And what does that do to you as a value? It doesn't do anything. And I, and I hate to make it sound like companies are evil, but is it in the best interest in a company to acquire a, a startup just because the economic situation and everything? And the answer is no. It's in there. I mean, they can just hire the talent away because you can't pay them. Why would they buy the whole company? You know what I mean? Or, like, or they'll wait for private equity to come in at 10 cents on the dollar, and that's about six I, months from now. And, and then, then they're just going to bundle you up and on the dollar. Right, exactly, exactly. That's the reality of how it works, right? PE will come in and buy 10 of them at 10 cents on the dollar, bundle them up and sell them for 30 cents on the dollar to whoever the acquirer is, and they'll do that deal, and they already know that. The, the thing is that entrepreneurs have a very short memory, and that's my biggest criticism of all my fellow entrepreneurs. They don't think about 30 years ago in their career. They think about 30 days ago. Think about three months ago. Because startups, it moves so fast. It's changing so much. It's easy to do that. Like, okay, look at all the downturns we've had economically and look at what acquiring companies did in the way they approached and addressed startups. Because they're going to do the same thing. <laughs> like, there's not going to be any magic acquisitions. There's not going to be anything. Wink, wink, hint, hint. Because, you know, some, some, some things are magic, but we'll... We'll leave that to the mystery of the universe. So, you know, it's I, I take what uh, so uh, this gentleman I work with in Southern California. He he has this line. He goes, "It's no longer about customer loyalty. It's about the loyalty of the company to the customer." And in this time, I put a spin on that, and I'm like, "It's not about employee loyalty. It is about the company's loyalty to the employee or employees." And and that doesn't mean necessarily. I don't take that as meaning like you have to pay people. I mean. Did you create a culture? Did you create an environment? Are you a leader that when the shit hits the fan, when things get tough, when times are tight, when the world shuts down economically, yep. are they going on furlough? Are they going on unemployment and walking away? Or are they looking at you saying, hey, you know what? I set up an LLC over here. And um, if you pay me one paycheck through that, I'll do the SBA loan program, grant forgiveness program. And I'll see if I can get my pay through that so that I can keep working for you. And then I'm not pulling from the bottom line and I'm leveraging this $2 trillion that's out there. And I'm not just looking to you as a piggy bank, but I'm looking to you as we're both loyal to one another and we're going to make it through this together. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Well, and, and this is the thing. Think about strange works. You know, pe- people get upset because they don't hire, a, you know, like my diversity. I got criticized by a VC. It was hilarious. About a year into the company. He goes, <laughs> hold on. You get criticized by VCs all the time. And then you send them letters when it's all done and go, in case you're wondering, this yeah. is what happened. They said they were like, they were like, they're like, man, it's just kind of like weird diversity here because it's all these white guys and i was like well actually that time the company is 50 percent hispanic because cardona and ochoa these are these are not white guy names <laughs> and they don't even look like josue is definitely not caucasian just as like i said i think that's kind of offensive to the crew that you don't recognize the diversity that's here but but i get criticized because because usually what happens is I hire a core group of 10 or 15 that I've worked with for years because of what you just said. Because you take care of the people first. Will I furlough people? Hell no. Will I lay people off? Absolutely not. Will I go without a paycheck if needed? 100%. Will I put more money in the company if needed? 100%. Right? That because you build what I, I jokingly call trunk loyalty, which is you treat people right, you take care of them and you take care of their families and you pay them a bunch of money. And then what happens? They would put Jason in a trunk for me. It's like, yeah. I don't know. They'd be like, I don't know. We found a car. It's got a big trunk. Can you fit in there? <laughs> like, you know, you, you build that. Look, we have worked, the people that I'm around right now have worked together on projects between eight and 27 years. And it becomes a different game. But how do you get there? You get there because right now, if you're a startup founder listening to this and you're trying to make a decision on what to do, it is your job to sacrifice, not the job of your employees. And ask them the sacrifice is wrong because in every case, I guarantee you they're already made a sacrifice just to try to support you on this journey. They took a pay cut. They left the super secure job. They have less benefits than they did. They've already sacrificed just to come in the door. So to ask an employee to take a pay cut, to take a furlough, whatever, my opinion's wrong. Now there's businesses that will do it, friends I know that are doing it. Hey, it's their business, it's their employees. But for my crew, no fucking way. No fucking, they get all their paychecks. They get all their benefits. I'll go without. I'll put more in. I'll go raise more. I'll do whatever you know is necessary to make sure that the team is protected first and foremost before anybody. And I talked to an investor today, and it upset them. But before investors included, you know, they're not doing any work. They're along for the ride. And and trust me, if you're an entrepreneur, hear me now. Listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. Taking care of your team is what puts you in a position to take care of those investors. Because you are certainly not gonna make a return on their investment if you have no team, right? Everything is about, startups are a team sport, everything is about taking care of that team. Do you not, and, and I think this is maybe a bigger miss, and, and you, you've alluded to this earlier, and you know, let's just tackle on the head here. Employees, you don't look at them as employees. You look at this as a long-term relationship that you're going to do one, two, three, four companies with. And that's, I think, a great miss with startups is like, I need to hire a CMO. Well, no, 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 no. You need to hire someone that you're going to work with on this company and maybe another company and maybe a third company or a fourth. And they don't treat it like a marriage or like a relationship. They treat VCs and employees and anyone else transactionally. Yeah, they're tools for an entrepreneur to make themselves rich. 
-hmm. right? Let's face it. And by the way, most of them don't end up being rich, okay? <laughs> because there, it's an ecosystem. Like, it's about balance. Uh, look, if, if the investors are happy but not thrilled, they didn't get everything they wanted whenever you, you transact, uh, and you're happy but not thrilled and you didn't get everything you wanted, that's fair. But the employees should get more. And so that's about setting expectations early. It's about pulling in the right people. You know, you hire, talked about hiring a CMO. You know, the one thing, because another startup I talked to today, because my, my phone is like off the hook with people, you know, in dire straits, unfortunately. And I, I feel for all of them. And I'm trying to volunteer as much as I can to, to help them. But, you know, the, I said, listen, here's the deal. You asked me a year ago, you're going to hire a, you know, a, a VP of biz dev and a CMO and a this and a that. It's like, that, that's all. What are those people going to do? If your company has 200 people, you might need a CMO. If your company is 5, 10, 15 people, like why do you have a seven, eight person management team? Like what yeah. kind of organization are you building, right? So it's like, and then when you hire the person, so, so for me, the startup rules, you never hire a CMO, you never hire a CEO. David Cardona has with me at Honest Dollar, worked with me before. I tried to trick him into Chaotic Moon, he helped on it kind of consulting basis, but he and Justin were too smart to get into that one. But they were both at Honest Dollar and they're both at Strangeworks, right? And they're co-founders at Strangeworks. They're, they each do six or seven jobs. David is the general counsel, he's the COO, he's the CFO, he's managing finance, he's managing ops, he's helping with product stuff, he's doing contracts, he's doing, you know, that's what you need to start up. Justin isn't just the CTO. He's writing code, he's doing architecture he's helping me with fundraising he's you know like th that's the real world is like people startups are not companies and entrepreneurs making them make the mistake constantly that they are entrepreneurs think that their startup is a company they have this vision in their head of what it's going to be when they have a management team and they're in the board meetings and all this you know, it's like advisors if you're listening to this and you're a startup and you have advisors go fucking fire them what the fuck are you thinking like what are they going to advise you on? Like I, I as an investor, I'm not going to look at that and be like, oh, you have the same advisor in Austin as 50 other guys and he invested 25 grand. And it doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah. Look, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, you're the alpha and you're the omega. You're the beginning and the end of all of the problems, all of the struggles, all of the successes, all of the glory. They all start and end with you. No one is going to make your business successful other than you, not even co-founders, right? I've been through a whole myriad of co-founder messes, you know, a bunch of people have, but it's like not even co-founders. No one will do it other than you. No one is as passionate. No one is as driven. No one is going to take as much risk. So it's like advisors for startups, it's like stupid. Do you want a mentor? Go find one mentor who's going to mentor you, and that sounds great. Did you have like eight or nine advisors? Why? Because I'm not investing in your fucking advisors. I'm investing in you. I know what you're going to do. And if the first thing you've done when you're starting your company is go build a plethora of advisors so you can use their name and their experience and their brands, are any of them working there every day? Oh, they're not? Okay. Skip that slide. Like they're pointless. They make you feel good. And the more advisors you have, the more insecure I think you are as an entrepreneur. Period. Do you not also think that building a team where everyone does more than whatever the title says? And I mean, in my humble opinion, like titles are bullshit. 
They're like, oh, you were a VP before, an SVP over here. Well, this is a VP job. I don't know if you'd want to stick, take a step down. I'm like, can you stop with the fucking titles? Like, I don't care. I don't. Right. I like work, but I like work challenge. I like this. I'm wondering how much better, and I mean, this is kind of a rhetorical question, but I know you'll elaborate on it, but how much better does it make the company when the people that are there do more than just the CTO job, than just the COO job, than just the lawyer. I mean, the confidence that if you call in sick, shit doesn't fall apart. Well, that's just it. You know, I, I learned something value. So I've always believed that that's one of the fundamental things you have to have at a startup. But, you know, the last company we sold to Goldman Sachs, and we sold it to Goldman Sachs. I joined the management team there, and I learned something. I had this guy called a co-MD. He was the other manager of the same thing that I was doing. And it was really, really weird for me. I was like, why are there two of us? Like, do I, I don't need this guy to make decisions about the thing. I don't need, you know, his name's Greg Wilson. Wonderful, wonderful guy. I, I love him to death. But what I learned was this. Was it one of the smart things? Goldman's one of the companies that, that does it. Uh, a, a, a lot of companies do it, but a lot of startups don't think this way. Is by having two of us, I go out and get hit by a bus on the street of New York. Nothing happens to the business. But there's two of us who are always in different places, who always know all the same information. Who always it's like a redundancy feature. Hang on one second. No worries. Listen, you're popular. Sorry about that. No, you're fine. Don't worry about a thing. This, this is one of the things that, you know, you embrace when it comes to uh, the world that we're living in, right? Is that oh there's life and there's real life that happens around it. And, it, and listen, you can, you can do anything you want. But at the end of the day, we've got kids. I mean, I just got a notice today at, at 6 o'clock. And they're like, oh, by the way, school's canceled indefinitely. And I'm just looking at my six-year-old going, hey, guess who your new teacher is? Big guy. <laughs> what else we got with the, we got headphones? We got a mustache? Yeah, we, we got, got a rock star. Paw Patrol headphones? Or, you know. Dude, who's, the, who's this Paw Patrol guy? Hold on. Who's the Paw Patrol guy? I bought them these headphones. We went on this trip to Mexico. They're, they're amazingly cute. At the time, now they don't want to give them up. Um, so yeah, so you know, we're, we're we're talking about all of these things, and it's just like, look, it's it is to be an entrepreneur is difficult anyway. In times like we're in, don't make it harder. I think they just make you realize the reality of what you're doing. Because, look, are there minor incremental difficulties? Yeah, but it's like, what were you thinking? You gave up your job at your publicly traded corporation making all this money and had all this security where you could have probably never got fired to be like, I'll be the boss and start a completely new corporation. It's like, you know, I always my, – my, my joke is I always tell people when I'm on stage, people ask me like, you know, about talking to entrepreneurs and stuff. I say, you know – before I got up here, I, I asked everybody, like, how's it going, Jason? They're like, oh, my God, it's going great. And I'm always like, you know, whenever an entrepreneur tells me how great it's going, I know that they are lying to me, themselves, or both of us. Because 
this is not my first rodeo and it's never went great it's never going great it is like a roller coaster shit show on a planet that get hit by a comet and then there's virus and like it's always a nightmare it's like and don't get me wrong it's fun and i live for that but it's like you know i the the, the third startup we talked about two of them that i was talking to today that was looking for advice i was like well I, I mean look i don't mean to be rude but like what the fuck did you think you were starting they're like oh my god payroll and this and that and all this stuff it's like yeah He's like, yeah, the company you used to work at, there were a hundred people that took care of all of that stuff. And now guess what, buddy? That's your job. It's like, well, you know, I don't know who to talk to about this stuff or whatever. It's like, yeah, you're talking to me. Talk to as many other people as you can. But at the end of the day, you're the one who's got to do it. Nobody else can do it for you. I got into it. It's funny because I'm, you know, I'm a partner in this uh, small startup and something wasn't getting done. And I was like, get me the info. I'm like, hold on. We're going to build a system, Jay. We're going to do X, Y, and Z, and we're going to get some stuff done. And I got I to gotta build this thing out. And I was like, no, 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 no. You build it. And I want you to build it. But until that, I'll do it manual. I will go hand-by-hand emails. I will personally write them. Oh, there's 3,000 of them. I'll, I'll do it over the weekend. I don't care. But I don't care. And he's like, well, the person who does this part is a, isn't feeling well. And I'm like, I don't mean to be rude. I don't care. And it's not that I don't care about the person. I don't care about the problem. The solution yeah. to the problem, someone's better at, at doing other things than me, obviously. But if they can't do it for some reason, I will push the rock up the mountain because I'm not as smart, but I just, I'm just that bullheaded. And, and, there's, and, I, and I think entrepreneurs miss the bullheaded part. I think they, 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 they think that, well, I hired this person or this, is, this person came on and joined us. I'm like, no, 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 no. They didn't join you, to your point earlier. It ends with you. And, and I, I would say the other cautionary piece would be is that if you have someone around you that's trying to surpass you, maybe you shouldn't have started the company. Right. Right. If, they, if they're working harder than you, pushing you to do stuff and, and driving you and calling you and getting you up in the morning and, and, and calling you at night and challenging you and you're like, I don't want to be challenged. I want solutions. Is that the person? Are you, you know, and it's not saying that you can't be a startup founder in that position. I'm just saying, like, I think you have to think about either A, once again, the personalities you bring around you because you know me. I'm a crazy person. Or B, you know, <laughs> you're giving me the you're like yeah, you are a crazy person. Or B, is it that you know we're just um, life is what life is, you know? Totally. I mean, I t- I completely agree. My boy fell down the stairs. Oh no! Yeah, that was him. He was coming. He I want to go downstairs. I was like, no problem. I help you uh, upstairs. So I opened the gate for him, and he went up, and he goes, I want my iPad. I go, it's over there. Go get it. And I walked back in here, and I heard, bup, 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 bup. <laughs> oh, So, yep, unfortunately. Hey, random transition here, and I wanted to touch on this. We're, we're, uh, we're over our time a little bit here, uh, but I wanted to touch on this because this has been perfect. I have as much time as you want. You can edit it however you want. So we're Okay, we're- well, we're good. But one of the things I wanted to talk about, because this has been percolating my brain, is – the idea that 
the security industry, the people, nice, the people <laughs> that, uh, that are in the internet security business, they're not ready for quantum computing, are they? Probably not. But, but neither. <laughs> so nice sometimes. But, but neither, neither are the people in quantum computing. <laughs> like, I think data scientists are just like, this is more for me if I can figure out how to parse it out. And internet security people are like, it's so far off. I'm just going to keep doing my DDoS and I'm going to keep my XML parsing pieces this way. And I'm just going to maneuver SSL this way. And I'm going to do a double bit encryption. And if I, if I do it on, on this channel versus this and I add a VPN in, boom, 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 here we go. I'm, I'm safe. And quantum theoretically crushes and changes internet security forever and ever. Amen. Well, look, so, so, so <laughs> I mean, maybe like, so, so here's the thing. So break that down really short and sweet. Shor's algorithm is most likely the type of algorithm, or possibly some people think the algorithm, I think there'll be many others, to factor two large prime numbers. So if you have a public-private key, and I have your public key, I could potentially use a quantum computer to factor your private key. So, so why is this worrisome? The worry shouldn't be with quantum computing. The worry should be with the way that we do security. Quantum yep. is its magical thing that's making, you know, security the way we know it gone. It's security the way we know it's kind of dumb. And think about it. The way we protect things is through the manipulation of time and resource. So I make it take a lot of resources, you know, a supercomputer, a quantum computer needed to do the math, and I t make it take forever. So a really long 256, you know, billion, 20, 10, 26, whatever key, right? So, so think about that. So security is based on time and it's based on resource. And so, you know, people always ask me like, oh, is that bad? It's going to break all encryption. I'm like, well, you know, the Germans used to have this machine that nobody could break. That they, you, you know, oh, nobody uses an Enigma machine anymore. By the way, the Romans used to roll pieces of paper around a, you know, a, a, a cylinder, right? Like, well, don't do that anymore, right? So this is this is just gonna force the evolution of security. But the but the big change isn't gonna be that it can break it all. Because let's say that I have a quantum computer and I broke your key. Well, I'm not breaking a million keys. I'm breaking your key. And now I got to go repeat the process and repeat the process and so it's not like all security goes away overnight. So I think it's overhyped and and there's a lot of FUD, uh, you know, fear and uncertainty and doubt around it. Um, but I think it does, it should cause security to say, hey, the way that we work might not be the best way and it's certainly not future-proof, mm -hmm. right? And, and so again, I, I don't see quantum computers as being this giant evil thing that's breaking things. I see them as maybe shining a spotlight on the inherent weaknesses in the way that we think about security. And by the way, it's not your RSA key everybody's worried about. What's worried about is there are secrets in other countries and stuff that aren't protected with very high levels of encryption uh, that were done 50 years ago. And while you may not be interested in things from 50 years ago, there's a lot of countries that would probably pay a lot of money for that, right?
so so it, it's a it's a very interesting situation. I mean, it's very it's very interesting. But you know, will a quantum computer break uh, encryption? I've, I've said on many times. Of course, it will at some point. When and how much and you know, because right now, think of the way these machines work. You know, let's take a, a circuit gate model. We take an atomic uh, particle, we freeze it down, you know, cool it to, you know, basically almost absolute zero, right? A and then it stops enough and we can start calculating on it. Well, we have time decoherence where it all starts breaking apart. We have all other. So it's like, you know, it's not, I mean, a, a quantum computer today doesn't work like my laptop. I turn it on and use it for 18 hours. Like, that's just, that's just not real. Um, and they are far away, but the thing uh, about them being far away is there used to be this Viking, there used to be, there is a Viking saying about your sales, and we change it for quantum computing. We say, pessimists think it's 20 years away, optimists think it's three years away, realists are preparing today, right? And I think that, you know, is how the security community should be looking at quantum computing. It's like, it's going to come out of nowhere there's going to be a material science breakthrough, a, a cryogenics breakthrough. It's going to be these different things. You know, maybe it's around entropy, maybe it's around this, maybe it's around that. It doesn't matter. But there's going to be a couple of things that happen, and all of a sudden, the world will never be the same, right? No, and I, yeah, and I don't, I don't mean to paint quantum computing as a bad thing as much as I want to say it. To your point, it shines a light on it. It goes, what you're doing is inefficient, and what I believe quantum computing does in in the hardest work possible creates efficiencies to understand something. It's almost like back in the day when informics databases were around, right? And they're the big XM, XMS database that would take a huge number and they would parse it down to little numbers and then build it back up again and reformulate it. And then Microsoft tried that with Longhorn Network where they're going to take all the computers when you leave the office, they're going to still operate and they're going to break down systems and then build them back up again to the big system and it is the idea and the concept that things are changing and this is not a little change. This isn't the DDoS days when it was, oh, my web traffic, if I get more than 100,000 hits, I have no way to stop it and it'll shut down McDonald's or Starbucks or whatever it was. This is a fundamental change of going from dial-up to Google Fiber. Well, so um, think about it. Am I crazy? Think, it's okay if I'm crazy. So everybody that mentions the word quantum computing is crazy. <laughs> Richard Feynman said something about quantum mechanics that, that, that's rich, really salient right now, which is, if you think you know about quantum mechanics, you don't know anything about quantum mechanics. And I think it's fair to say if you think you know something about quantum computing, then you don't know anything because it's like we are working with some of the greatest companies and the greatest minds, you know, on the planet, in the universe about this topic. And, you know, I don't think that any one of them can give me a straight answer. So it's a little rough to, to do that. We're not in the days of AMD versus Intel. We're in the little mechanical gates versus vacuum tubes. We're, we're a little further back in the timeline for, for kind of putting it into that kind of context, right? Okay. Uh, and speed-wise, so, so the point being, you're not crazy, but also, eh, who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a little... <laughs> it's I got into it. That's why it's so magical, right? Like, I have as much opportunity 
as a software hacking startup making random crazy guy as the world's greatest physicist. They don't think that. But I think in the last two years, we've kind of proven like, oh, shit, turns out that's real because they don't necessarily know any more about what they're doing than than we do. Um, this is a incredibly complex topic that I don't think anybody will ever know. I mean, I know some of the greatest minds in the field, and, and they I've been fortunate enough that they're mentoring me, and there are a million things they don't know, and there's a hundred million things I don't know. And you know what? That's okay. And and how it gets used, also okay, right? I mean, this is, you know, think, think about quantum computing is waiting for its Ben Nevis moment. Mm -hmm. Meaning that if you think about the development of technology, and a really, I did this talk once where I was trying to kind of channel, you know, my, my, my best connections, my best James Burke that I could. And if you think about it from that perspective, you know, we, we used to wear pants and then there was a loom, and the loom made more pants, but it led to tighter fibers for balloons, and balloons led to weather observations, and then we learned that I should be up high, and then in the highlands of Scotland, Ben Nevis, uh, there's an effect called the glory, right? Where when you're looking out, you can see basically a rainbow halo around your shadow, right? And there there was scientists there, and they started making things called cloud chambers. You ever seen a cloud chamber? Yes. Like, literally makes a, a cloud. Well, what else does a cloud chamber do? It's basically splitting atoms. So they were taking photos of it, and a visiting scientist saw this photo and said, holy shit. What you've just captured is an atom splitting. And what's the next thing that happened in the timeline? Boom. Atomic bombs, right? So would never connect. And that's, you know, that kind of like, okay, there's a bunch of meteorologists and people really interested in weather and climate living in the middle of nowhere. You would never connect it with like, that's one of the, the several breakthroughs. It's not the, the, the thing that all happened that led to this major, unbelievable, like we can never go back. Once the atom is split, like nuclear is a fact of life for energy, for war, for whatever. Like it's like you, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. I see quantum computing being similar. And I think there's going to be a bunch of little uh, steps forward that aren't as complicated as people might think, that don't come from physicists, that don't come from the engineers working on the machines that come kind of out of nowhere, right? The Wright brothers effect, right? Kind of that 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 unplanned discovery. The Wright brothers didn't invent flight. Everybody from Da Vinci to God knows a hundred thousand other people were all trying to build flying machines and fly, but they built a three-axis gimbal, and that made it happen. And then all of a sudden, boom, flight took off, right, all around the world. I think when you look at those kind of examples, I think quantum computing is. 24 to 36 months away from that and then when that happens it's unimaginable what will happen but i also don't think there'll be computers now i think there'll be coprocessors so like cpu gpu tpu qpu like i've said that the entire time it just you know if you go back to that security example you look at shore's algorithm there's five steps is it an even or odd number is it a factor of two coprimes what uh, you know, let's pick a random number to use. And then the fourth step is a non-deterministic order finding of, of the numbers, right? The quantum magic. Well, we could write an iPhone app that could tell you if it's an even or odd number 
tell you if it's factor two co-primes to pick a random number that's so fast it'd be a waste of time and money to run that on a quantum computer so what you're going to see is these hybrid architectures with this stuff and that's where the security implications get really really interesting right because we already have people who are using you know basically private you know server farms and stuff to go hacking and doing stuff well now there's going to be a new addition which is they're going to get to this complicated math problem and they're going to potentially be able to send it to the Amazon cloud or something and get an answer back. And Amazon has no idea what they're trying to get the answer for. <laughs> and then their computer is going to continue to chug through all of the, all the stuff, right? So there's a, there's a bunch of stuff to, to consider. You know what? I, I, one of the greatest things about your Whirly is the, the, some of the analogy and the things that you say, the way that they tie back into things. We started this off with with confusion and 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 fear and not knowing and trying to understand, and what you just said a minute ago should if people should take that moment and they should really pull it out. They should they should focus on what you said and they need to take a, a quick moment, a snapshot, and pull it back and, and 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 hold on to it. Which is, I'm talking with all the experts and they don't know a million things about quantum computing. And I don't know a hundred million things, but we're still moving forward. And in a time of uncertainty, if you're an entrepreneur, surround yourself with people. They don't have to have all the answers. They don't know everything. And you don't know everything, especially now. And, and, and you don't need to. And you don't need to. That, but that's, you need to move forward. Quantum computing and startups and anything important, anything, they're team sports. They think the, the physicists, when we first started, weren't big fans of here come these hacker developers that are like, we're going to do quantum stuff. They're like, well, we've been doing it for 40 years, so no, right? But, but now they've embraced us because they realize we bring something new to the game. Oh, and by the way, you know what we figured out? We figured out, you know, there's a bunch of HPC people that aren't talking to the quantum people. And then, oh, there's this other group. And so now what you're seeing, if you look at what Strangeworks has built, there's now 8,000 400 plus people in this Stack Overflow community. And you've got physicists and hackers and developers and teachers and scientists and engineers. And and now things are really starting to pick up and progress. And I'm not saying like we've solved that for the whole industry. I'm just saying that's one microchasm of like, look at the success. It comes because of the diversity of thought. It, become, it comes because no one person knows everything. And you want to build these you know, you want your company to have that same kind of innovation culture, kind of collaborative nature uh, as, as what we're doing with that project or what you see in how things happen naturally in the world. How many discoveries can you name that were accidents, that were done by people outside of the field, right? And yeah, I mean, stop, you know, I mean, look, if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this and the virus is everywhere and everything is a disaster i i would tell you to take three pieces of advice to heart number one is learn how to respond to the situation not react to it one of those is voluntary the other is not right um the second would be to not try to manage every part of the business it's why you have a team let people i have people doing stuff right now at companies where they're like well i gotta do the sba thing that just came available for my startup because it's like no you don't you got a lawyer you got a cfo let them do that job 
like don't like have this weird entrepreneur this whole mythos of like the genius entrepreneur that does everything and saves the day like that's all a bunch of bullshit okay uh, so you know, le- second thing, lean lean on the team. Like your job is a supporting role, not a leadership role. As founder, you're a support mechanism, not a not a leadership mechanism. You know, and and the the, the third thing is remember that there's no decision you can't sleep on for 24 to 72 hours. I guarantee you, nothing is going to blow up in your company in 24 to 72 hours. And in 72 hours, whatever you're panicking about now will look completely different. There is a world of opportunity happening in front of us. And and yeah, maybe you had this big plan. Your business was event-based. Your business was something that just got hit hard. This is a chance for you to... This is, a, this, is, this is leveling the playing field. You were competing in a certain area against incumbents, and now all of you are in trouble. Advantage you, man. Get off your ass. Stop looking at all of the negative... Maybe stop watching the news for a couple of days and focus on you. Focus on your team. Get your team together on a Zoom. Be like, hey, maybe we should envision the way things are going to come out of this completely different and build to that. You know, like, I, I mean, I don't know. I know companies are short on funding. There's no doubt there's going to be a startup apocalypse. Okay. But a lot of companies have enough funding. They're small enough. They're crafty enough. There's a lot of companies in a great position. In this environment and hopefully you know i mean for me the more startups the merrier so hopefully everyone will find a way to pull through this but you know hopefully worst case at least a few of them will find a way to take advantage and really make something you know special yeah no it's a, you're right brothers analogy i i would take to the people who have come to me and been like oh this is the first time i don't feel free the government can shut something down Remember, the Wright brothers applied for a patent, and they got shut down because flying didn't exist. You can't apply for a patent of something that doesn't exist. That was the reason why they didn't get their patent at first, because it didn't exist. Do not let something shut you down because they, A, don't believe you exist, and B, that you, have, you don't have the creativity to do a pivot in a transitional moment to keep moving forward. Right. Right. I mean, I don't know. This is really, this is a quick turnaround. And um, I say this to everybody and I mean it. We will make, and we will lose money all day long. We will get the rum. We will drink the rum. We will get the rum. We will drink the rum. But time is something that we, we never get back. And you never, ever get it back. And, I, I, and I, I do mean this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for the time. Hey, man, you're, you're, you're welcome. And I'm, I'm glad I was able to do it. I mean, never forget that great YouTube video, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, where Bill Gates literally uh, takes Warren Buffett's planner and fights him for it. It's like, look at this. There's nothing in it. There's nothing in it. And Bill Gates is booked every second of every day. And, and Warren Buffett basically, to paraphrase, says – well, yeah, I mean, I can make more money. I, I can make everything I need in the world, but I can't manufacture time, right? And, and so he leaves his schedules like super open. So I, I learn from that and do that. So you call me and there's opportunity to talk to you. I can make sure that the time is there, right? So I think you, I think it's well said what you, what you just, what you just put out there. And I think people really need to focus on it. And I think right now people really need to focus on their home and their families. 
because it's like you know you're scared about your business well your wife's scared about everything from your business and you're not having a paycheck to taking care of the kids who aren't in school to are they missing out are they going to be you know uh, falling behind because you're not homeschooling enough to a million problems and so right now is a time to focus on you know health time to focus on family and time to focus on you know making sure you treat that company those people in your startup as family because to me they are like i never hire anybody i wouldn't let live at my house for a month that's my general rule i think it's a really good rule right so 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 if you uh you know, and and I want to say, you know, I've never really hired you, Jason. I know that's a hard hit here. Kidding, kidding, I'm I I always I wanted. I'm like, I'm waiting for the whirly call. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm a crazy person. Nice you know try. that. And this is what I love. No, this is what I love about you. And I'm serious. I'm a crazy person. I know that, and I'm a hard person to deal with. And I'm I'm eccentric and I'm aggressive sometimes, and I'm out of it. But the one thing that I do like is that we know that about each other, about me and who I am. We're like, this is where it comes down. It's like, I know if times got tough and I needed a job, I could call you and be like, Worley, here's my resume. Could you please help me? And you would. And, and likewise. And by the way, <laughs> you know, I'm much more likely to be out of a job than you are. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, you know, just saying. Just saying. Well, hey, listen, brother, I love you, man. Be good. Take care of the fam. I, I appreciate the time. I know everyone who's listening uh, uh, does as well. And um, you know what? We'll, we'll stay in touch, and uh, we'll revisit this after your major announcements and everything that's going on. But thanks, brother. I really appreciate it. Anytime, man. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Time and money, mine expensive. expensive. You were never checking in, it's so western. Friends. Friends. Let it ring, they can take